1: Welcome to the XCast X Files Podwatch, episode twenty-four, covering "F is Masculata" and "Soft Light. Man, that is a, that is quite a mouthful. "F" emasculata, Brandon. Do you know your Latin? Do you know what that means?
2: Um, it means bug, <laughs> pus bug.
1: That, that I got to tell you, this is one of the most disgusting episodes Isn't it of the great? X-Files. It's so this is by far the grossest episode yet so far in, over the course of the X-Files. Those disease sores are just disgusting, but I guess that's the point, right?
2: Yes. I love this episode. Of course you do. So much.
1: What <laughs> you don't No, no, I love it. I love it too. (laughs) I know you gravitate towards this. I mean, you love Conspiracy and Next Generation. That's your favorite episode. You've got heads exploding and people eating bugs. So I can totally see why you gravitate towards this one.
2: Bugs and exploding pus nodules.
1: But but yeah, let's get into details here. So it first aired on April 28th, 1995. It was written by Chris Carter and Howard Gordon and directed by. Rob Bowen, our buddy from uh, Next Generation, and a prolific X Files director as well. He went on to direct the X Files movie, Fight mm-hmm. the Future. So, uh, yeah, this is this is a great episode, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. This is one of my favorites from season two. What I really, I do really like the story of it and how there's Mulder and Scully are basically separated for the whole episode, right? And they're working on their own and they're focusing on their strengths, you know. And it shows there's a lot of good investigation, you know. And you got this guy, what's his name from Breaking Bad? Yeah, Dean Norris. Dean Norris working with Mulder and he's just angry and wants to catch these guys and Mulder's like investigating and coming up. He's like, Well, did you bother to check the telephone over here and whatnot? And I don't know. It's it's just it sees our heroes in a positive light in a situation that they don't quite understand because they're just thrown into the situation. You know, we don't get that friendly banter in this episode. It's not a silly episode. There's like no comedy in the episode at all. It's pretty serious from start to finish. And our characters are thrown right into it along with us
1: a few minutes into the episode, right? Right. You mentioned uh, Dean Norris working with Mulder. We have Charles Martin Smith working with Scully. He's one of the doctors in the hospital. Now, he's he's just one of these familiar faces. I I don't, I don't think there's one thing that I know him from. But you just you just know that guy. This is this is the part in the X Files, you know, season two, season three. They're starting to get these big name guest stars. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it again with with Soft Light coming up with Tony Shalhoub too. So these are famous people that, that are, and and that helps. You know, elevates everybody's game when you got these these A list guest stars.
2: I, I know, like they could go anywhere. They could get like something crazy, like Jesse Ventura and Alex Trebek at some point. Even
1: <laughs> who, who, knows what, who knows what awaits us, right? Uh, but yeah, the whole uh, the whole prison lockdown thing. I mean, there was something about. It was like the nineties, and they talked about this in the X-Cast episode that focused on this. But there was there was like this this disease craze, right? They had the stand, you had outbreak, right? You, and even even you know uh, books like uh, the Hot Zone as well. So there was a real you know fear in the air, you know, <laughs> about diseases spreading back then. And I mean, I guess even now, I mean, you look at H one N one bird flu stuff like that. I mean, that's still whenever anything like that comes up on the news. People go insane, right? But that ties into the scene with uh, Cigarette mm-hmm. Smoking Man in Skinner's office, which to me that really elevates Like This was already a good episode, but that like elevates it yeah. a lot more when, it, when you kind of side tie in mythology stuff to these standalones as you do in the next one as well. That's a great conversation between Mulder and uh, the Cigarette Smoking Man. Mulder tells Smoking Man, he says, you can't protect the public by lying to them. And he just says, it's done every day. Yeah, you know, it's just like well, so Scully's of
2: fact. Scully's contrary too, and when Mulder's like, "What if people die because of we because we didn't release the truth?" and Scully says, "What if people die because we did?" You know, and it is one of those things. Like I personally. I don't know, like call me crazy if you want or whatnot. I believe that when we go, we're going to go from some plague like this, like, you know, with, uh, people don't take their medicine enough so that, you know, these diseases are becoming more immune to medication and things like this, you know, with the cross border traveling all over the place every single day and how easily things can get transmitted. And the fact that people don't even wash their hands. There's a guy at my work. I know he doesn't wash his hands when he goes to the bathroom ever. Like these are the things that are going to spread diseases. Like, people don't take care of themselves like they should. I really do believe that when we do go, you know, 50 years, 100 years, whenever, right, society's going to get wiped out by a plague.
1: Well, you know, I do think we're a lot more germ conscious nowadays. I know my mom used to carry around, you know, baby wipes in the car and, like, you know, and people used to, like, make, make fun of Even my dad used to make fun of her, like, oh, he's using those for, right? Whenever you fill up on gas, you know, wipe your hands off, stuff like that, right? Because you don't know how many people are touching this these things, right? You don't know what escaped convicts with, the government, uh, with a government-created disease. Yeah, <laughs> it's just gone through here. But- you know, nowadays, you know, that they're like the adult wipes, right? And there's Germex and stuff like that. So I think we're a lot more present minded about this kind of stuff. If you go into places that even have hand sanitizer, lots of stores have it on a the counter, they have a dispenser for it. So I do feel like this is, at least, people are more aware of it now. Uh maybe episodes like this and movies, you know, like Outbreak and stuff like that have, have freaked people out about it enough. For right. people to take but it that's more seriously.
2: That is the catchphrase, and that's the scary thing, right? You know, antibacterial, right? You know, trans fat-free, right? I mean, like it's just they're catchphrases and they're things that are there to make people feel safe. But I don't think that those things are actually gonna make anybody safe. I know people who use that hand sanitizer rather than wash their hands. And it's like, you need to still wash your hands, you know? <laughs> you still have to, right? Well, it's like but not I mean- brushing
1: your teeth and just doing mouthwash. You know, they compliment each other. They don't, they're not exactly, doing together.
2: But I mean, like trans fat free. I mean, I was in this grocery store and I saw a bag of potatoes. It was French fries. It's a bag of potatoes. It says trans fat free. Well, I hope it's trans fat free. It's a bag of potatoes, right? <laughs> so somebody goes home. They think they're making the conscious choice to make with the right food. And they go and they cook it up and they pour oil all over it or whatever and all of a sudden this is no longer healthy. But they think it's healthy because of what the key phrase is on the packaging, right? And it's just – these are just things that are designed to placate people and make them feel comfortable.
1: No, man. This episode raises some great questions and ultimately really it comes down to Mulder like he's a truth-sayer but it's also like protecting the public good. And, and that, that element to it just is it's just so interesting and, and they, don't, they don't answer that question. And nor, nor should they, right? It would be pretentious of them, too. But it just it raises the question, and you find yourself thinking about this stuff. Because you see, whenever there's a disaster of any kind, you know, like a hurricane or, or, or whatever, right? You see that the chaos that the public devolves into, you know, because it's panic. So I, I you know, if I had to pick a side, I would, I'd probably agree with the smoking man here. What about mm-hmm. you?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the fear could – like, look at how they – Quarantined it and they got it all taken care of. Yes, I mean the panic would have caused a lot more problems. This this episode has got a couple of multiple levels to it, and this is this is probably my favorite episode from season two, right? I mean, like this is a really really good episode. I think X Files really finished incredibly strong at the end of season two. Like, there's some really great episodes at this time, and I think this is the peak the peak of its early seasons. Is this episode? I think you know, and you know, as as far as funniness goes on it, and I was saying earlier, I don't think there's anything funny in it. I remember that the first few times as I watch this, when the guy's on the bus with that kid, right, and just the way that it's edited quickly and stuff... I never thought that it was a bullet that shot him in the face. I thought the thing had exploded on his face so hard that it like shattered the bus window. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, that's what I thought happened because it was, they were building up and it's like stretching and stretching and getting so huge. And then like the window breaks and I'm like, that's what I always thought. Somebody should edit this show though and put like comedic music underneath and like Canned audience (laughs) laughter whenever they get shot in the face with this stuff. Like that guy when Scully's in there opening that bag, and he's like, Oh, you shouldn't be in here. And he's just like, Somebody should add like canned audience (laughs) laughter to that. What do you think? Sure, Brennan.
1: Yeah, you mentioned how season two had a good run of episodes at the end. I think "Soft Light" is one of my favorite episodes of you know the show. Period. Uh, really high on my list. Uh, it first aired on May fifth, nineteen ninety five. Cinco de Mayo, huh? <laughs> uh, it was written by Vince Gilligan, uh, directed by James Contner, and hey, Vince Gilligan goes on to. Create Breaking Bad So we had Dean Norris In this last episode We got Vince Gilligan Now this is his first episode Working on the X-Files And he goes on to write A lot of great episodes Of the X-Files And this isn't really The kind of story I would expect him to tell In the X-Files It's a little It's a little kind of out there With the the sci-fi And the science And all that Now that is probably The weakest element Of this episode You know Tony Shalhoub Has his shadow That goes around And Sucks people into you know nothingness, which is extremely creepy and very unsettling. The fact that like this can just cross you innocently mm-hmm. and you you you're nothing, you're oblivion, right? You're right, gone, right. and there's no evidence you were ever there except for a little burn on the floor, right? Extremely unsettling. Um, and we talked about Tony Tony Shalhoub. We talked you know talking about all these guest stars. I mean, you know, he's famous. I guess he's most famous for Monk, the TV show he was on as a kind of a neurotic guy, and he plays neurotic great in this episode as well, huh? Was what? he on Wings. He was on wings. You're right. He was on wings. Yeah. Uh, and he's the guy in men in black that gets his head shot off time and time again and it grows back. So, what a resume for Tony Shaloub, right? Yeah. But,
2: uh, I don't know. I like this episode a lot. There's a lot of plot holes in it. You know. You know. There's like a lot of
1: black holes in it.
2: Yeah, plots as big as black holes in it that suck everything up. But I mean, it's it's a really good episode. And I mean, like the shadow at the beginning. You know, shadows don't work that way. They don't go <laughs> under doors. And but, but I mean, like you you. How do you get around that? Like, I mean, the only other thing you could have done is if the guy opened the door and would have been like, quit yelling. And then, or like whatever happened to him, right? Got sucked up. But the effect of the, the neat little blue light that like went around the, the hole, like after they got sucked up was really cool. Like it was like this weird electric thing. The, there was a couple things in it that I didn't quite understand. And I didn't quite catch the reference. Like the, uh, every time he was walking by these lights, they would fade out. I didn't quite catch the connection there. I didn't know what they were trying to say. Was he drawing electricity? Like, well, I mean, he, himself, he got or... infused
1: with dark matter, so I want to say, like, there's a lot of weird science going on with him that even he doesn't understand, so that's yeah. what I chalked it up to. But, uh, but no, that's, that's a good point there, and... Um they, they, there's a little callback here that I really liked uh, at the beginning of the episode because there's the, they've, Mulder and Scully are called in because yes. Scully, had, Scully had a protege and she called <laughs> in Mulder and Scully and that's why they're on this case. So they're looking around this room and uh, they want to check the, the air vent. And she's like, oh, I don't think anyone could squeeze in there. And Mulder's like, oh, you never know. And I was like, <laughs> yes, a very subtle reference to Squeeze, but very clever too. If you didn't know about Squeeze, you it passed you right on by. Uh, but if you did, it's like it's very rewarding. But I, you know, I like this character uh, the subplot with, with Scully's old protege, because she's just... This is something, like, far beyond her, right? And she just doesn't... Quite, quite can't wrap her mind around all this stuff, even at the end of the episode, uh, where she's trying to stop Tony Shaloub, right? And he, he actually intentionally kills her he hasn't intentionally killed anyone until then but he's like look i'm not like, if you arrest me i'm gonna just keep killing more people like i he's so concerned that if he doesn't atomize himself in the same machine that the shadow could you know unleash and, and destroy everything i mean it's creepy stuff and I, I like how it's vague they don't they don't quite techno babble us to death they tell us just enough like hey there's dark matter and there's a shadow and you're like ah, okay you know it's a good enough it's a compelling enough story there's enough layers going on here that it, it carries you through
2: I love X in this episode too and that shot when Tony Schlub's character is looking out that door window yes. and like X's face just comes in there, like the first couple of times I saw that man, that scared the pants off of me. Because X <laughs> it, has this glare, hey, like just crazy. It's
1: it's almost funny, but it's just because his face is just so huge through the little through the little window there, and and he's and they both like look at each other, like oh what okay who's gonna who's gonna move next you know. And I love X, and like I said, X is my favorite character, and this is another reason why I love this episode so much because he's so proactive in it. This is probably the episode where he does the most, right? Just a complete agency on his own because he you know he talks to Molder. And you think you think he's helping Mulder out, and in fact Mulder's helping him out because he he has his own agenda in here and he goes and kidnaps this guy and and I actually kinda like how it all goes wrong for for X, you know, because he's such a together kinda guy. Like you you expect him to just dominate every situation and it kinda it kinda doesn't you can even see like this is the only time you've seen this guy like ever phased, right? On the show. He's like, Oh no. (laughs) This is more than I than I bargained for. But yeah, I mean even and even the end of this episode, this is one of the creepiest endings. Of the X Files, because the, the, the whole time, uh, you know, Tony Shalhoub's greatest fear was, you know, being you know, captured by the government and, and used. Brains you know, suck. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what happens to him at the end of the episode. And you just see that all these what you assume are just experiments, like they're flashing all these lights at him, and you see the shadow, and just I'll classic X Files ending. Yeah, yo, exactly. As yeah. uh, and that reminds me, whenever you get someone isolated in a horrible situation, and it just ends like that. You're like, man, I'm glad I'm not him, right? <laughs> like, it just it's very unsettling, uh, and it's and it sticks with you. So. Um, But 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 I would be remiss if I didn't mention the classic trope that I hate so much in all media: the enhance. Uh, Uh, They they figure out where he works by uh, by you see Tony Shalhoub sitting in the train station. They use security footage and Mulder's like, "Hey, let's enhance that, right?" And they zoom in and they zoom in and they zoom in and they they still see what the logo is. Like it doesn't work that way. The image would break down and be all pixelated. But I understand why they have to like you know go from point A to point B that way in stories like yeah. But they hit the enhance button. All right, friend. <laughs> what a simple T V viewer you are. But yeah, no, this is a great much like much like FS Masculata, uh, it's a standalone episode, but you put in these mythology elements like Cigarette Smoking Man was in the last one, X is in this one, you know. So it 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 it's the perfect balance between the standalones and the mythology. And going through all these episodes, I think, you know I think the general consensus with people, and let me know what you think is I think the standalone ones are better, right? You enjoy them more because you, they, they just, they're just they more self-contained. They're more fulfilling. The mythology you know, it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. You don't know where it's going to lead when you're watching. You're like, oh, man, it's going to be such a great payoff. And then a lot of times it's not the greatest payoff, so it kind of undercuts what you've been watching. But these are just completely self-contained and fulfilling in their own right.
2: Right, yeah, I think they hold up the most. I've been watching with my wife, and she's hating it. Like she, she's a, she's she considers herself an X Files fan, but she's like, you're picking terrible episodes to watch. And I keep telling her, I'm just I'm just watching them in order, because the order they came out in. And she's like, just terrible. So the last couple I've actually watched on my own. She'll probably watch Anasazi with me because she actually likes the conspiracy elements better than the standalone ones. So, but I think the standalone ones definitely hold up more as time goes on.
1: Right, for sure. Well, this has been a couple of great standalone ones here. Mm -hmm,
2: Yeah, very strong finish. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, Brendan, if uh, people want to find you and talk about that disgusting pus that's developed on your neck, where can they find you on social media?
2: Uh, They can find me at the hospital talking to the doctor. Because uh, it's it's ready ready to just. Uh, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, you can find me now, <laughs> or you can find me on Twitter at uh, Brandon Matella. You can find me on Trek FM doing a couple of great shows called Melodic Tracks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. Or you can find me on also doing Warp Five with my friend Floyd, which is all about Enterprise. And you can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network with a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast that I do with my friends Chris and Tom. And Zach, where can people find you when you're not in the process of uh, going through the brain suck?
1: (laughs) Well, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville. You can find us on Twitter at at Always Malville with one S, and we talk about the Young Superman show from the early 2000s in that podcast. And uh, like you, Brandon, I'm a host of my own show on Trek FM, Standard Orbit. We talk about the adventures, the old and new adventures of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I do that every week over on the Trek FM network with my friend Ken Shrip.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good show, but it's not as good as mine.
1: Well, you know. Insert witty comeback here, uh, <laughs> but we're one big happy fleet over there at Trek FM. Uh, as for the X-Cast you can find us on Twitter at the X underscore Cast, or you can find us on Facebook at the XCast X Files Podcast Fan Group. It's fun to interact with everybody over there. Well, that's gonna do it, Brandon. This is our uh, this is our last block together on the on the Pod Watch, but it's it's been fun, man. I've enjoyed uh, geeking out with you about the X Files. So sad. It's been a lot of fun. But just because Brandon and I are gone, don't let that stop you from listening, guys. Uh, tomorrow we're coming back with Our Town and Adesazi. But until then, remember, trust no one.
0: Sky Sky! Scully! Scully!